This is Messages from the Middle. I'm Wendy Parrish. This is episode number five, Superpower, ADHD, or both. On this episode, I talk about my own personal experience with ADHD and getting diagnosed a little bit later in life. I was just past 40 when I was diagnosed. My hope for this episode is that if you suffer from ADHD, that you don't feel so alone and that you find maybe a few things that you can relate to. And if you don't have ADHD to help you give it, get an understanding of what it's like for the people in your life who have ADHD and that you probably shouldn't take it personally if they just can't do the things that you would like them to do. So let's get into the episode. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hello, how's everybody doing today? Uh, this is episode number five, and today we'll be talking about ADHD. ADHD is sometimes called ADD, and this is an interesting one. First, I always thought there was a difference between the two, ADHD and ADD, and I've since learned that there isn't. ADD is actually the older term. ADHD is the new term that describes a hyperactivity in the brain, not in your behavior. ADHD is a neurological disorder, which I'm really not loving that word, but that's the word, that affects the part of the brain that helps us plan, focus, and execute a task. People with ADHD have trouble with impulse control, focus, and organization. Here is the important part, at least to me. ADHD is not a behavioral problem, a mental illness, or a learning disorder. ADHD is a developmental impairment of the brain's self-management system. The whole name is kind of problematic, and I'm not the only one who has a problem with it. It stands for attention deficit, which just feels wrong, because in many cases, people with ADHD have more attention. We call it hyperfocus. Hyperactivity, which doesn't, again, pertain to your behavior, but to parts of your brain. And again, disorder, the word that I don't love. I was diagnosed in my 40s. That's a long time to feel different and not know why. Shortly after I was officially diagnosed with ADHD, I joined a support group on Facebook for women, adult women with ADHD. In typical ADHD fashion, I hyper-focused on this page and spent quite a bit of time scrolling. There were posts that offered helpful information and ones that just had me dying of laughter. I felt like I had found my people, people that understood me, people that were experiencing the same things as me. I loved to show these posts to my husband so he would see that it wasn't just me. And there was one that was my favorite. It said, a business idea pitch. An ADHD hyperfixation hobby swap service for when you've already bought a ton of stuff for a new hobby, then you aren't interested in it anymore. 
So you can go online, swap hobbies with another ADHD person so you don't have to keep buying more stuff. Apparently, many people with ADHD tend to get super excited about their hobbies and then lose interest quickly. Maybe not even lose interest, just get more excited about the next thing. Or in my case, I would hyper fixate on it, go all in, then just burn out. This has its pros and cons. The hyper-focus and varied interest can enrich your life and broaden your horizons, but apparently it might bring you to spend a lot of money on stuff. I didn't realize multiple hobbies, rebuying things you already own, oversharing in conversations, forgetting to eat, avoiding organization and cleaning projects, anxiety about avoiding organization and cleaning products, projects, Anxiety about being forgetful or unable to finish tasks. Difficulty watching an entire movie. Making checklists but not looking at them. Thinking the right planner will finally make you organized. And overscheduling your day, thinking you have 36 hours in the day and you don't need to sleep. We're all symptoms of ADHD. Many of these traits are very relatable to me. And they don't fit the caricature of the hyper elementary school kid who can't hold still and is disruptive. Another issue is ADHD paralysis. Again, I didn't realize that this was a thing. I just thought I was lazy and just couldn't motivate myself to move. But it turns out this is a symptom of ADHD. You want to do the thing. You want to do your homework or clean your house or even just get out of your car, but you just can't. I've heard this described in many ways, but the one that sticks out to me that is that it feels like sandpaper on your brain when you try to do something you want to do, but your body just won't let you. ADHD is an interesting form of neurodivergence. First of all, it doesn't show up in the same way in all people. In fact, Dr. Daniel Amen, who you should follow, he's at Doc Amen on Instagram, he identifies seven different types of ADD. They are classic, inattentive, overfocused, temporal lobe, limbic, ring of fire, and anxious ADHD. And by the way, Dr. Amen does call it ADD, and he explains why in the book. I recommend reading the book Healing ADD by Dr. Amen to find out the differences in these types of ADD, as well as the different treatment for each type. The book was a game changer for me. You can also go on his website, I believe it's the aimanclinic.com, and take a quiz, and it will tell you your ADHD type and help you find the treatment for that as well. So I want you to think back to when you were in elementary school. I bet you can name that kid who was hyper, acting up and always getting in trouble. That's what we all thought ADD was. Also, it was a boy thing. Girls didn't have it but those cases were actually more the exception. Think about it, that was one kid. How many people do you hear about now that have ADHD? I do believe ADHD is on the rise, but I also believe that we're identifying it and diagnosing it better and more frequently these days. So here's my experience. I have a few memories from about eight years old where I remember feeling different but nothing super vivid until third grade when I was nine. It was the day we learned division, not long division, just regular old division. 
The teacher got up, told the class that it's just the opposite of multiplication, so this should be easy. Then she passed out a worksheet and said we could all have free time once we completed the worksheet. I had been working so hard since second grade to fit in with the smart kids because I honestly believed I was as smart as they were. I didn't just want to be normal, I wanted to be exceptional. But this worksheet, I just couldn't do it. It didn't make sense. And to make matters worse, as everyone got the assignment done in a matter of minutes, they were walking around the classroom talking, reading, and playing games. So now, not only can I not figure out how to do this worksheet, but my brain is a Labrador puppy in a squirrel park getting pulled all over the classroom with all the noises and distractions. And every time someone finished the assignment and walked it up to the teacher, I died a little. This might sound weird, but I knew I was as smart or smarter than those kids who were saying, wow, this was so easy. I love division. Meanwhile, I'm feeling that hot about to cry feeling, staring at the worksheet through tears. I don't remember if I finished the worksheet. I'm sure I did. I have a recollection of friends and the teacher coming over to help me, and that only made things worse. So what does a nine-year-old girl do when something like this happens? Well, I can tell you she doesn't say, I'm just as smart as they are. My brain just works different. Nope. She thinks, something is wrong with me. Why can't I do this? I guess I'm not smart. And I know these weren't the words I used at the time, but it added to my core belief, I'm broken. I managed these feelings by working really hard at looking and acting perfect. But unfortunately, one of my biggest symptoms of ADHD was lack of impulse control. So I was always getting in trouble for talking too much, not focusing and being disorganized. In fourth grade, my teacher came up with this really great way of motivating us to be good kids. It was called Quiet Island. If you were perfect, then you got to sit with your friends with all your desks pushed together. Meanwhile, the bad kids were pushed out to the side and isolated. Guess who was the only girl to ever not be in the Quiet Island? And I know it sounds weird that I'm isolating gender here, but in my 10-year-old mind, and from what I was seeing as a 10-year-old was the girls were all perfect and well-behaved and the boys were the ones getting in trouble. All of them except for me. All I wanted was to be one of the good kids, or at least for people to not notice that there was something different about me. This is actually an issue for my generation of women. In fact, there's an entire lost generation of girls. I would say Gen X, Xennials, that's me. And many millennial women fall into this category. Girls were just not diagnosed with ADHD. Girls didn't have it, but we did. But we weren't acting up and we weren't creating a scene, usually. We were isolating, pulling in, leaning into perfectionism and painting ourselves these beautiful masks. In most cases, this leads to depression, anxiety, eating disorders, self-harm, and apparently a lot of us went into some form of performing arts. So here's a phrase that I recently learned from my son. With every nerf comes a buff. So I'm gonna take some time to talk about the buffs. And for those of you that don't know, which was me a month ago, nerf is a negative, 
buff is a positive. So here are my buffs. I was interested in everything but math, and I wanted to learn all about it. When we did a history unit, I read books all about that time period, watched movies and documentaries to take it all in. When I danced, I wanted to learn all the different types of dance. And again, I thought that there was 36 hours in a day so I could take all the dance classes and do all the dance. I became interested in anatomy of how the body works. And this went double when I sang. In college, I took classes in speech and language development so that I could learn exactly how the vocal mechanism worked. I followed my curiosity so many places. I listened to so many different types of music. I actually don't know a lot of the popular music from my time growing up because I was learning all the lyrics to Broadway plays. And I listened to the soundtrack from Madame Butterfly. I loved Mozart and Tchaikovsky when the other girls were listening to New Kids on the Block. The funny thing though was part of my masking, I made sure to know who all the cool bands were so I didn't look weird. I'm so grateful for all the places my curiosity and hyperfocus took me. One thing that I like about me is that I feel like I can usually talk to anyone no matter what their interests are. I'm able to recognize that I am who I am today because of my ADHD and by following my curiosity so many places and it brought me so many lovely and awesome things. Also, I can predict the end of pretty much every suspense movie or book. This would drive my husband crazy because I was always ruining the surprise endings. This is because people with ADHD notice the tiny details and see patterns that others miss. This is also true for people. I notice and remember little details about people. Oh, I see you changed your nail color, or is that a new pinky ring? This sometimes leads to embarrassing experiences where I come across as possibly a stalker, but it's just my brain noticing all the details around me and especially people. I do think of this as a superpower. And I believe the emotional problems that I experienced as a result made me more empathetic to others. Being isolated made me more aware of other people who were isolated. Hey, my experiences that stem from my childhood experience with ADHD got me to a place where I wanted to make a podcast about mental health. So now back to the buffs. Sorry to be a downer, but it's the buffs that affect our mental health. Here are some things that I've learned specifically about women and girls when it comes to ADHD. Women with ADHD may be less likely to be diagnosed than men because their symptoms present differently. Women may be more likely to have internalized symptoms such as daydreaming, anxiety, and difficulty with time management, rather than externalized symptoms like hyperactivity. Daydreaming was huge for me. I was pretty much always in some other place that was so vivid and real. This was also something that I noticed with my youngest daughter. It was always so funny to me that at her preschool parent-teacher conferences, the teacher would mention that everything was magical to her and she was always creating a dream world. I thought that was them telling me good news. It took me a while to realize that the teacher was bringing this up as a bad thing. And I still don't know how that's bad. And my little girl is still magical. Women with ADHD may also be more likely to be misdiagnosed with other conditions like depression or anxiety, which can lead to ineffective treatment. 
Depending on the type of ADHD, the wrong medication or treatment can even make things worse. And I have to tell you that getting the diagnosis of ADHD in my 40s was a relief. Knowing that my brain was awesome, just different, helped me reconcile a lot of the challenges that I had faced as a kid. Unfortunately, I would also think about how different things would have been had I known. Women with ADHD may struggle with managing their time and responsibilities, getting and staying organized, completing tasks, and achieving goals. This doesn't mean a person with ADHD can't do those things. Right now we live in an amazing world and there are so many resources available. There are planners created just for people with ADHD and so many resources available online to help with organization and achieving goals. Ironically, social media is a goldmine of fantastic tools for ADHD. But of course, social media, I think TikTok, contributes to ADHD. That quick little dopamine 30 second spurt, it just can't be good for your brain. Women with ADHD may also experience higher levels of stress and anxiety due to the challenges of managing their symptoms. We women do a lot of multitasking. We just do. It's part of the job description. And when your executive function doesn't quite do its job, it can be overwhelming. Too much time in overwhelm leads to anxiety and living in anxiety leads to depression. Can you see where this is going? Like I said before, there are different treatments for different types of ADHD. For example, some people are advised that medication won't work for them, whereas it works great for me. However, there are a few universal things you can do to help manage ADHD. And once again, I will say I am not a doctor. I'm just a woman who is learning to manage her own symptoms and trying to help her children with their symptoms as well. First, there's diet. You want high protein, healthy fats, fresh vegetables, fruits, and foods high in fiber. The point is to keep your blood sugar level. A diet high in protein, vegetables, and fiber can improve cognitive functions and attention. Protein is important for the production of neurotransmitters such as dopamine and norepinephrine, which are important for the brain function. Vegetables and fiber help stabilize blood sugar levels, which can improve mood and reduce the ups and downs that can happen with ADHD. To me, this means if the food requires more work to process, then you keep your energy levels more consistent instead of the surge and crash you'll get from simple carbohydrates. So you definitely want to avoid anything overprocessed, simple sugars, and red dyes. It's believed that red dye causes a depletion in minerals such as iron and zinc, which create chemical changes in the brain. Simple carbs and processed foods cause the blood sugar levels to spike, then crash both your energy levels and your mood. Also, a diet high in simple carbohydrates leads to inflammation in the body, which can worsen the symptoms of ADHD. The golden ticket for the brain is omega-3 fatty acids. I talked briefly about this in my episode about medication, so you can go back and listen to that one. 60% of your brain is fat, which means the brain depends on a steady supply of fat to do its job. Omega-3 fatty acids contain the two most important types of fat the brain needs. Just about every aspect of neurotransmission, the movement of information 
from brain cell to brain cell that supports every thought, emotion, and action is affected by omega-3. Omega-3 also protects the brain by decreasing low-grade inflammation, the chronic cellular fire that can singe the brain. This is also why omega-3 is so good for concussion recovery. In studies, omega-3 showed decreased hyperactivity, less inattention, less disobedience, less hostility, increase in memory, better learning, and better sleep. Again, I'm going to put in a plug for the Barleen's Omega Swirl that you can get at Costco or any of your health food stores or the health food section of your grocery store. It tastes good, and studies have shown that it has better absorption than the omega-3 capsules. And if you're going to take the capsules, make sure that you find a high-quality omega-3 and that it comes in an opaque or amber bottle so that you don't degrade the quality of the oil in the capsule. Then there's physical exercise. This is a big one. I'll say pretty much all types of exercise are good. Just move and get your heart rate up for 30 minutes. I want to say every day, but the benefit from three times a week will do the job and will have amazing effects on your ADHD symptoms. Steady state cardio is recommended because during an aerobic activity, your body requires more oxygen which means your heart is pumping more blood to the brain. And more blood equals more oxygen. More oxygen means that your brain cells are better nourished, which can supercharge focus, the ability to learn, memory, and even emotional regulation for two to three hours after a cardio workout. Studies show that vigorous high-intensity workouts also activate more brain cells. When the brain cells become more active, there's a surge in the production of a protein called brain-derived neurotropic factor. That's BN, sorry, BDNF. BDNF is associated with cognitive improvements and the alleviation of depression and anxiety. And cardio exercise gives you the biggest boost of BDNF. Neuroscience recommends activities that require quick changes in focus. For example, any of the martial arts, ballet, ice skating, gymnastics, rock climbing, mountain biking, whitewater paddling, and much to my chagrin, skateboarding. So why are these exercises especially good for people with ADHD? Because the technical movement inherent in these types of sports activates the parts of the brain that control balance, timing, sequencing, evaluating consequences, switching, error correction, fine motor adjustments, inhibition, and of course, intense focus and concentration. I'm also a big fan of strength training, which also has really good benefits for people with ADHD. Strength training releases exercise-triggered endorphins, or happy hormones. But strength training does more than that. It also provides you with an opportunity to overcome obstacles, like reaching new rep goals or weight PRs. This is what I love about strength training. There's always a new goal, and I love watching the amount of weight I'm able to lift get heavier. And in order to know that my reps have gone up or that the weight I'm lifting is heavier, I need to track my weight, which gives me another opportunity to practice organizational skills. All of this has a positive impact on your mental resiliency. Then there are the mindfulness exercises, yoga, Pilates, Tai Chi, exercises that help you connect your brain and your body, teach you how to breathe, learn sequences, and proprioception, 
That's knowing where your body is in space. These are also my favorite. It feels so good to slow down, breathe, and move, all while getting stronger and feeding your brain with all that lovely oxygen. The most important thing with exercise is finding something that you love and that you want to do. If you're new to movement, I recommend walking. Walking is a very underrated exercise and it's so good for you. An added benefit is that if you're walking outside, it's good for the brain to have the eyes need to navigate natural surroundings. And also it's good to have sunshine in your eyes at least 20 to 30 minutes a day. But don't look straight in the sun, just, you know, sunlight. I also want to put in a plug for music lessons. My daughter's doctor recommended piano, but I'll say any instrument will do. Once again, you learn problem solving, intense focus, concentration, fine motor skills, timing, and sequencing. When my son was in first grade, he was struggling with school only because he was way too impatient and wanted to be good at everything now. By putting him in piano lessons, he learned the benefits and results of progression with stepwise learning. It was amazing to see how quickly after he started piano that everything in school just clicked. I will also state again that every type of ADHD has different recommendations, but when it comes to the brain, diet, exercise, and omega-3 are always a good idea. If you suspect you have ADHD, I recommend checking out Dr. Daniel Amen and reading his books. There's so much good information out there from him. And of course, I'd be irresponsible if I didn't advise you to see your doctor or even better, get a full evaluation from a neuropsychologist. ADHD for sure has its challenges, but it also has its superpowers. No question it can impact a person's mental health and their life in general, but there are effective strategies that can be used to manage your symptoms. With a better understanding of ADHD, you can better understand those that are dealing with the complexities of this condition, whether it's understanding yourself better or understanding your loved ones, such as a child, a spouse, a parent, or even just a friend or coworker, and if you're a teacher, your students. Understanding the challenges gives you empathy, patience, and insight that might help you improve your relationships and their personal experiences and challenges. Hopefully some of the diet changes, fitness recommendations, or treatment modalities can help you or a loved one. Managing ADHD is a journey and it may take some trial and error to find the right combination of strategies that work the best, but with the right support and management, ADHD can be the thing that makes you a unique human being with all the skills and the superpowers that come with your amazingly unique brain. So that's all that I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts about ADHD. Do you or someone you love have ADHD? And what superpowers have you noticed? You can find me on Instagram at child songbird or shoot me an email at wendy at messagesinthemiddle.com. I want you to know that you are loved and that you matter no matter who you are or where you are in your story. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is White Linen by Asher Child. He's my kid. 
You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time.